the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Tuesday, January 3. It's going to get worse before it gets better. That's the warning of Treasurer Jim Chalmers, who says a huge spike in COVID-19 cases in China could cause supply chain issues and put the economy on unsteady ground this year. Chalmers pointed to Australia's reliance on Chinese markets and workforces for many goods. His comments come on the heels of a federal government decision to have travellers from China submit a negative test for the coronavirus before travelling to Australia. The government has decided, out of an abundance of caution, to require travellers from China to submit evidence before boarding their flight of a negative COVID test. This arrangement will come into effect at 12.01am on the 5th of January, in line with the timing of arrangements from a number of other countries, including the United States and England. She's one of the world's biggest authors, and you may not have heard of her, but there's a good chance someone you know is reading one of Colleen Hoover's many novels this summer. In today's episode, The Front's Claire Harvey finds out what all the fuss is about. Caroline Overington is The Australian's literary editor and she joins me now. Caroline, what are you going to be reading this summer? Because I might copy you. Well, Claire, if you copy me, you'll be copying half the world. Because I am late, very, very, very late to this particular party the Colleen Hoover Party. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Colleen Hoover, but she is a Texan writer. She's a mum of three boys. She lives in a very small town in Texas, and she started out self-published about 10 years ago. She couldn't get a publisher, so she published her own book. She's since written 23 books, but she is also the biggest selling writer in the world by a country mile. Now, I had a look at the bestsellers for Australia, for this year. And she had taken six of the top 10 places. Wow. Six, which means that she was responsible during some weeks for half the books sold in this country. That is an astonishing result. And in the United States, she is bigger still. She has, I think, five books in the top 10 there. They have a few more challenges for her, but she has at least five in the top 10. And I read one story in USA Today where they said, that in one particular month last year, she was responsible for half the books sold in the United States. I mean, this is an astonishing success story. So you're going to ask me, well, why? Okay, it's TikTok and Instagram. She's a TikTok writer. So what happens is somebody on TikTok reads one of her books and does a little reel or a little gram saying, you know, this is amazing. And everybody jumps on. Hi, so I've been seeing this person called Colleen Hoover all over my For You page, and her books seem to be very controversial. I've never read one of her books, even though I love books, so I thought I could go to the shop today and get one of her most popular books and do a review of it, okay? Chapter one. So the story begins with the narrator. Her name's Lily Bloom, and she's also the main character, and she's sitting up on a roof contemplating her life. You think that that couldn't have so much of an impact? She has sold tens of millions of books, and they all carry this little sticker, TikTok made me buy it. So you're going to think to yourself, well, I'm not going to read that. That doesn't sound like it's something for me. And I thought the same. And that's why I was thinking to myself, I'm so late to the Colleen Hoover party because I was like, that's not going to be for me. Well, I picked up one of her books. It's called Verity. 
And I couldn't stop reading it. It just gallops away. It's got the most amazing pace. They're really fun adventures that she sends you on. They're mysterious. They're sexy. I would advise everyone to get into them. There was before you, and there was during you. For some reason, I never thought there would be an after you. But there it was, and I was in it. She released two books this year. One's called It Starts With Us, and the other one is called It Ends With Us. And you know what she's doing now? It's such a fascinating idea. It Starts With Us tells one story. And it ends with us, tells the same story, but from the perspective of a different character. So everybody who loves her books can go in there and read them many times, but from the point of view of different people. So she's just huge. Stay with us. After the break, Claire Harvey and Caroline Overington discuss what else we'll be reading this summer. My name is Manny Karoudis, and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. Caroline, one of the things I love about your approach to books is that you don't police this divide that many people in the books world do between literary fiction, high-minded books that probably don't sell that much but tend to win a lot of prizes, and commercial fiction, which sells a lot of books and would never be considered for something like, say, the Man Booker Prize. I'm fascinated by that divide. It seems to me like your love of reading and of books just transcends that. You're just looking for a great experience as a reader. Have I judged you right? I think that's absolutely right. I think it's really important for the literary editor to understand that people love books. Nobody ever asks me, what is a terrible book? (laughs) Nobody ever asks me, what is a really boring book? (laughs) Nobody ever asks me, who's done a terrible job with this particular Australian history? Everybody wants to know, what should I read? And it's such an interesting question because there's so many variables there, like what kinds of things do you like? Do you like politics? Do you like sport? Do you like nonfiction? Do you like fiction? Do you like poetry? Sometimes when you go to the beach, you just want something that's kind of fun that you can get into and toss aside, jump in the water, come back, lie on your sunbed. Other times you're feeling very emotional for some reason or you feel you're questioning life maybe and you might want a slender book of poetry or you might want something with a special message like Nick Cave's book, for example, about the death of his son contains many beautiful messages about what it means to be the partner of somebody who is grieving, what it means to carry the loss of your son through your life. Mm. Books deliver very many things to us and it doesn't all have to be fine literature. It can be fun and I like all of it. So another example, this summer I will read Kent Haruf, who's an American writer who died in 2014 and did win all of those prizes. The reason I'm drawn to his book is because it's, to me, a beautiful idea a woman who's in her 70s, who lives in a small town, has lived in that town for a long time and her husband has died. So she's been a widower for a while. 
And there's a man living a few doors up whose wife died some years back, and he is also living alone. So one day she goes and knocks on his door and she says, I'm lonely. And I wonder if you're lonely too. Hmm. And if you are, would you like to come to my house sometimes in the evening and sleep in my bed? Wow. We could maybe just talk. Maybe we could just hold hands. Maybe we could just have another body in the bed. And of course he wants to know, well, is it about the sex? And she says, no, it's about companionship. Mm. It's about friendship. It's about not being alone in the darkest hours, night after night after night. I think that's a beautiful idea for a book. I think that for me will be a beautiful reading experience. Very different from Colleen Hoover. That's also what books are for many people, isn't it? It's a, it's another human connecting with you, maybe when you are a little bit lonely or you just want someone to be there. You are so right. And I think to some extent that also explains the success this year in particular of cookbooks by home cooks, by people who are not chefs. Mm. There's a huge number of them on the bestseller list. And I think it's because people are really connecting with the idea that you can prepare simple meals in an economical way using ingredients you can find at Coles or Woolworths or Aldi, not fancy gourmet shops, and you can nourish your family and you can show your love. Those cookbooks, in my view, are providing an experience well beyond just being a book. Mm. Now, there's two that are out this year that are just terrific. One of them is by Nat's What I Reckon. He wrote a cookbook directed at young men, so men in their 20s, to say to them things like, You can prepare a pasta dish. He has easy peasy spaghetti bolognese, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So you can have your mates around. You can cook a big bowl of pasta. You don't even have to drink alcohol. You can just talk. Mm. You can just all get in there together, chop the garlic, chop the onion, connect in a way that might assist you in your mental health. The problem with bolognese is people with it and put heaps of stupid in it. Do a little bloody twist. Grate a bit of cheese on it. Put some of that on it. Grab a fork and get it up here. That is Unreal. You'll love this. It's beautiful food. You're a beautiful person. Beautiful. And the other one, Nagi Mahashi, who is Japanese born but Sydney raised, has a book out called Recipe Tin. Recipe Tin will be the number one nonfiction book of the year, Mm. easily. It just sold and sold. I think it sold 40,000 copies the day it came out. And again, she says, you can do this. And in life these days, Claire, there's not enough people telling us you can do this. You've got this. You can look after your family. You can take care of your mental health. You can look after the mental health of other people in your family. You can love each other. You can put a roof over people's heads. That explains the success of Barefoot Kids as well, the Scott Pate book, because he says to kids, I know you're hearing all the time. You'll never get a house. You'll never get a job. You'll never get ahead. Don't believe it. You've got this. You can do this. Work hard, save your pennies, pay off your debts, get on top of things. These are really important messages coming from books. Yeah, it's a real sort of DIY, perhaps a bit of a TikTok, Instagram mood, isn't it, of people connecting at an authentic level without the intermediary necessarily, or without the appearance of the intermediating force of a big publishing company with a slick marketing campaign. How does publishing react to this? Are we now going to see a wave of slickly published books that try to get that level of gritty authenticity amateurishness that these guys have naturally? 
one of the things about the book industry is that something takes off and then everybody <laughs> tries to copy it. So suddenly you have a lot of vampire books and then you have a lot of werewolf books. <laughs> Do you remember when Fifty Shades of Grey was a thing? And then suddenly you had all these bondage books. And there was misery memoirs. You know, misery memoirs became the thing and then everybody was finding the, the, the inner pain. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, for, for sure... But I don't think that you can match the power of authenticity. And that's one of the things that all of the best-selling books have in common, I think, this year, is that they are ordinary people telling fabulous stories or demonstrating ways in which you can do the things that you want to do. You can help yourself and help the people you love. And that seems to be the unifying thread this year. Caroline Overington is The Australian's literary editor. She was speaking with the front's Claire Harvey. If you're looking for something else to keep you occupied this summer, you can read all our journalism anytime at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman. A dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.